the most significant decision that you and I will ever make is what happens to us eternally or in eternity, isn't it? You may choose where you go to school now, but it doesn't matter after you finish school. You may choose your career, but it doesn't matter after you retire. And some of us have amassed ourselves fortunes, and then in a few weeks, it's all gone. I was talking to a professor, a pastor. He, talked, he said that uh, over the past few weeks, his uh, retirement lost 40% of its value. But he's okay, because that's not where his heart is. We can choose who we get married to, but then eventually either you die or that person will die. The most important decision that you and I were ever going to make is what happens to us eternally, isn't it? So this becomes what we do here, or what we learn here becomes the most important part, aspect of our lives. Let me ask you this, are you equipped today to make this decision as to what happens to you and I eternally? Are you equipped? The matter of eternal life is beyond, beyond us, beyond our mortal realm. Think about a fishbowl, and the fish is inside the bowl. Can the fish determine what, outside, what happens outside of the bowl? So we're living in this life. Do you think that you and I, we can determine what happens to us outside of this life? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The things that happen in the natural, we can determine what could happen to them. By our actions, we, our action cause reaction to the things that we affect. If I, uh, if I shove Ben, he will either fall or he will shove him back. Right? There's a reaction to every action. But how do you affect the spiritual realm? What can you do? Can you push an angel? Can you push a spirit? Can you touch? Can you see? Is there anything that you can do in the spiritual realm to affect it? Not only that, if, you were not, if I did not tell you about the spiritual realm, if someone did not tell you about the spiritual realm, how would you know? If the Bible never talked about the realm that is beyond the natural, how would you know the supernatural realm? Someone has to tell us about it. You can't just intuit it, right? You can't just think and then somehow it enters into your thought. Someone has to tell you about it. And here we, the Apostle Paul says that if we are not spiritually discerned, we don't know what eternal life is. We don't know what eternity is. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. God determines what, how things should be both in the supernatural and in the natural, both in eternity and in the confine of time here. So we cannot understand the spiritual. Paul says, if we can't understand the spiritual, then how can we come to understand the spiritual? And this is what he said. Well, we know that Jesus came to explain to us or to expound to us the things that are in the, the spiritual realm or in the kingdom of God. Jesus taught the kingdom of God. And Paul says, did somebody go up to heaven and bring Christ down? Or did someone went down to the depths and that is to bring Christ up. We need someone to teach us. We need someone to explain to us the things that are outside of this, this fishbowl. But all the fishes or all the human beings are inside the fishbowl. So how do you know things that are outside of this fishbowl? 
You need to have someone from the outside to come into the fishbowl and tell you about the things that are outside because one of these days, this fishbowl will be gone, be broken up, and then we will face eternity, the things that are outside. Can you walk when the waters are gone? And will you survive? How do you know if there is someone outside of the fishbowl? We don't have any concept of anything that goes on outside of our world, of our lives. So we need to know someone who's outside. But how do you know someone who's outside if you're inside? Can you go out? Can we elect a fish to go out and find Jesus to come into the fishbowl and tell us about what's outside? Can we? We can't. And Paul says it's impossible. God has to determine, I'm going to show up. I'm going to enter into the fishbowl. And I'm going to tell you about what's happened outside. And that's what Jesus did. And what did we do to him? We killed him. So not only God has graciously and mercifully gave us a instructor, a teacher, a savior, we didn't receive him, we killed him. We killed the only source of life. When I say source of life, I mean the one who can communicate with us what life is. Because you can't have life. You must understand life to have life. While we are dead in our trespasses, we don't know that one of, one of these days this fishbowl is going to break, all the water is going to be gone, and you and I, we can't survive without air, water. So God gave us, God taught us how to live, how to live beyond this, this life that we know, and yet when he sends his son, we crucify him. In the same book, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, talking about in his sermon to the Corinthians, he said that those who were ignorant of God's grace and love, and this is what he said, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus Christ's death is ordained by God, but in the hands of sinners, we killed him. Human, we killed him. We killed the only person who can teach us what happens or how to live beyond this fishbowl. And I want you to note in this verse, the princes of this world, those who have authority, those who are wise, those who have uh, intellect, you know, the wise and the prudent, as Jesus put, supposed to guide us, they're supposed to lead us, they're supposed to tell us the way to redemption. And instead, they were filled with malice and jealousy, they kill the only person who can truly tell us how to get to eternal life. And God has hidden the mystery of what happens outside of this fishbowl inside one person. And he sent that person. And that person was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ went throughout Judea, Samaria to preach about what's outside of our life. We didn't understand. People didn't understand. People questioned him. People deride him. And yet he continued to speak. But some regarded in their heart like Mary. When the angels came to her and spoke to her, about what would happen, a savior would be born. She didn't understand it, but she kept it in her heart. And some people, when they heard Christ, they didn't understand it at the time, but they kept it in their heart. And Jesus says, you might not understand now, but you will understand in the future. So there are many things that we don't understand today. I want to encourage you to keep it in your heart, keep it in your mind. Like when you try to memorize the Bible and some of the verses you don't understand, but once you have it in your mind, in your head, you begin to meditate on it. And the revelation of that word will come when the Holy Spirit has something to work on in your mind. 
The people who are supposed to teach us, to guide us, they didn't. They were only thinking about themselves and their position, their authority. Instead of leading us to Christ, they killed the only person who were there to save us. And God has hidden all the mystery of the kingdom of heaven inside Christ. And now Christ is dead, crucified. How can we come to know the mystery of Jesus Christ or the mystery of the kingdom of God inside a person who had been crucified? But God had revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, said, wait. He told them to wait. For they waited for the Holy Spirit to come upon them to give them the explanation of the things that Christ has taught them while he was in the world. So we might read the Bible and we might learn what Jesus Christ has spoken, but until the Holy Spirit comes upon us and reveal and express and give us the understanding of those mysteries, we won't understand. It's like knowing the alphabet and being able to put the words together, but we don't know, and we can read the words and read the sentences in the paragraphs, but we don't know what it means. The Holy Spirit comes and take all these things and tell you this is what it means. This is the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, the deep and secret things of God. The Holy Spirit reveals God's mystery. Eternal life is knowing God. How can we as human mortal beings recognize and understand the infinite and everlasting and immortal God? How? When you talk about the world, look at the beautiful trees and the green grass and the pink flowers and the birds and the clouds and the beautiful sunset and the person that you are talking with is blind. How can you explain that? Where do you begin? That's who we are. We are blinded to the spiritual things. When Jesus Christ talked about the kingdom of God, I'm like, Lord, I, I just can't imagine it. I, I don't see it. I don't get it. So what Jesus Christ had to do was to put his hands on the blind person and then his eyes opens and then he sees and he understands. But until God does something to us, we can hear, we can study, we can listen, but we don't understand. The Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does is that the Holy Spirit comes and opens your spiritual eyes so that you can now behold the spiritual things, the mysteries of God. Eternal life is knowing God. It is the knowledge of God that brings eternal life. The Father has given revelatory function to His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father to us. Remember when Philip asked Jesus in John 14, He said, show us the Father and it suffices us. And Jesus says, I have been with you all this time, Philip. If you've seen me, if you know me, you know the Father. But at that time, none of the disciples understood because the Holy Spirit has not come. So when the Holy Spirit comes on us, our spiritual eyes were enlightened. Now we hear the things that we have learned and kept in our heart. Now we know. Mary came to know Jesus Christ, who he was and his mission and his purpose after the Holy Spirit came upon her. And then she realized, she knew. The authority of Jesus Christ was given to him by the Father to reveal himself to us. That is the work of the, the Lord Jesus Christ, to reveal the Father to us. And Jesus promised this. And when He ascend to heaven, He will send His Spirit, and that's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will make known to us who the Father is. And once you come to know the Father, then you will have eternal life. Now, up to this time, up to this point, everything that happens here is by the Father who sends the Son, 
the Son who sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to reveal the Father to you. So God the Father, show us the Son. We crucify the Son. The Son became resurrected, sends us the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the Father by the way that the Holy Spirit teaches us is to remind us of the things that Jesus Christ had taught. Jonah chapter 4 verse 11. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things so that we understand this very simple concept. It's not you who are good or who are intelligent, who are able to understand God. None of that at all. The salvation of God comes because of His mercy and His grace. And that's it. God chooses whomever He chooses. And should I not spare Nineveh, the great city where wherein are more than six score thousands. How many is that? 120,000? That's a lot of people. That cannot discern between the right hand and the left hand. What is the heart of God here? Is it because they recognize that they are living in sin and so they pray to God and so God sent Jonah and then they were delivered? No. God said because they were ignorant. They were stupid. They didn't know what they were doing. And that's why God sends Jonah. The difference between Jonah and Jesus Christ was stark. God sent Jonah, he went the other way. God sent Jesus Christ and he went straight to the cross. God sent Jonah to preach deliverance to Nineveh and he did it and then he complained. And he sat there and he moped. God sent Jesus Christ and for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The difference. I want you to see the difference. But the similarity is that both the world and the city of Nineveh were the same. They were in darkness. They didn't know. They were ignorant in their sin against God and the judgment of God would come. The judgment of God would come upon Nineveh the same way that the judgment of God would come upon the earth. There will be an end to this earth. There will be an end. If you think about the coronavirus, we might think that fire and brimstone might come from heaven, but we might be killed by these tiny little viruses. Like Nineveh, the world, salvation and eternal damnation came from a foreign place. Think about the fishbowl again. Let's just say Ben is the fish in this fishbowl. And he is this awesome super fish. He's going to lead all the fish inside his fishbowl, out of the fishbowl, and into the promised land. He doesn't have legs. He, he doesn't have wings. He can't get out himself. How can someone here on this earth be able to deliver people out? Just like Jonah, he was sent to Nineveh to preach to the people in Nineveh. Jesus Christ was sent to live among us, to preach to us, so that there is a thing that we must respond to the preaching. Remember what happened to Nineveh? When they heard Jonah's preaching, they put on sackcloth and ashes, they fasted. Not only they fasted, but also their cattle, their sheep, all the animals fasted. And the fasting and the putting on sackcloth and ashes was a sign of repentance. When you were living in ignorance, you don't know. And God sends His mercy to save us. When you do know, the first thing that you should do is to repent. But after we repent, we cannot remain in our stupidity. After you have come to know Jesus Christ, after you have come to know the salvation of God, we need to get ourselves out of the state of ignorance. In the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 30, turn with me. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to 
repent. The time of ignorance, when we were ignorant, when we were stupid, when we were dumb, God sent His Savior to teach and to preach the kingdom of God to us. We should listen. We should pay attention. We should take in. And once the Holy Spirit makes known the salvation of God, our response to that is, God, I have sinned. Forgive me. Repentance has to come. And when repentance comes, it means that we are turning away from our old ways. We are turning from the sin that we used to be in, and now we're turning toward God, and we're turning toward His salvation. That's what repentance means. Christ's revelation of God lifts our foolishness out of the state of stupidity and into the knowledge of God, into life. Knowledge of God is life, is eternal life. Salvation means that you know how to get to everlasting life. That's what eternal life is. Eternal life is knowing the way to God. And Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We must learn the truth. We must find the way. And we can't do that if we are stupid, if we are ignorant. The apostle Peter warns the Christian that they should not remain in the state of ignorance. 1 Peter 1.14 And that they must become holy just as God is holy. So there is a past life, there is the state where Nineveh was in ignorance and God sent Jonah, but after they heard the, Jonah, the, the preaching of Jonah, they repented and God spared the city of Nineveh. Even though Jonah was upset that God spared them because of their, the, uh, of their repentance, but that's who God is. God acts and he is true to his word. He said, if you repent, then he would turn his wrath away from you. Nineveh eventually got destroyed. They answered the question, what happened? Peter warns, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the formal lust in your ignorance. We should not go back to the state of ignorance. You should be growing every day. You should be digging into the, the truth and the mystery of God every day. The Holy Spirit should work on you every day, revealing from glory to glory, from faith to faith, the things of God. God saves us by revealing His Son. We are saved and continue on the road to salvation as we are revealing the Lord Jesus Christ to others. We have been enlightened to know the mystery so that when we behold or when we have the mystery, we should reveal that mystery to other people. That's what we are doing here as a church is that we are expounding the mystery of God so that people, when they hear, they may not understand. You might not understand now, but if you are faithful and you trust in the word of God, you hold it and you pray and you repent, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and begin to reveal the meaning of that mystery. God ordains, we believe. That's how it works. We don't choose and we cannot choose God. As many as were ordained to eternal life, believe. As many as were ordained, so they were ordained to eternal life. The result of that, they believe. Not the other way around. Not that they believe, then they have eternal life. But God has picked and choose and says, you will have eternal life, then you believe. To answer the question that I've asked in the beginning, are you equipped to handle or to decide what you're going to do for your eternal life? My answer is, you cannot be equipped. None of us can be equipped because we don't choose our eternal life. God has ordained you to eternal life. If God has ordained you to eternal life, then you believe. The reverse is true. If you don't believe, what does that mean? God ordains our destiny, and we believe because of the grace and the love of God. If God did not send Jonah to Nineveh, would the city be saved? 
Would they automatically think, oh God, we have sinned against God. So they put on sackcloth and ashes and someone inside the city came to their senses and said, we should repent, otherwise we would be doomed. Would they? God has to send someone from the outside, someone who's close to him, someone who, even though he has flaws, but he knew God, he was a prophet of God, he went to them and he said, you guys are going to be destroyed. God sent his son to us and we killed him. By the grace of God, there's a church now. There's a church that spans the history of our Christianity. And now the church obligation, the, the church duty is to give the world this message. We should tell the world, just like Nineveh, we should tell them, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, just like John the Baptist and what they do to him. They chop off his head. The kingdom of God suffers violence. You know, the violent take it by force. It takes, it takes a tremendous effort for you and I to find our way there. And by the help of the Spirit of God, we can. God predestines salvation, then does it matter what I do or what I don't do? That's the question. If God predestines your salvation, then does it matter whether I believe or not? Does it matter whether I pray or not? Does it matter if I share the gospel or not? Because God saves whoever He wants to save. He predestines someone for eternal life. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Make the tree good and his fruit good. Or else, make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. What does that mean? When Adam sinned, the good tree that God has created in the human, in the image of God, was created as good beings. And through our sin, we corrupted. Now you said, well, then Adam did have free will, didn't he? He did. You do. Every one of us have our free will. But this is what happened to our free will after Adam fell. And that is, your freedom to choose, you can only choose one thing, and that is evil. You can only choose to listen to the voice of the serpent. You will never be able to listen to the voice of God. You cannot choose salvation. You can only choose condemnation and death. That's the extent of your Ability to choose your free will. What Jesus Christ did when he came was he made the tree good. He restored the tree. And now the tree is good, the fruit is good. You are able to choose good because you have been grafted into Christ, not by your own choosing, but by God himself. God chose you and he grafted you, like the Apostle Paul says in Romans, he grafted you into the good vine. And now you are able to bear good fruit, not because you, were, you are able to choose the good thing, but because you are grafted into the good tree. God has ordained you to eternal life means that you are born again in Christ. How do you know you're born again? The corrupt tree has been restored in Christ. The old pass away and all things become new. You might not know for sure if you are born again. We never know for sure. This is the mystery. Only God knows. But this is what I do know. I know this as long as I believe in the word of God as long as I trust in Jesus Christ. That trust will never be disappointed. God does not lie. The Holy Spirit does not lead us to condemnation. Secondly, if God did not send Jesus Christ, then who do you believe? Who do you choose? Let's say, go back to my illustration of the fishbowl. Let's say you have a fishbowl, okay, and you have a simple fish in your fishbowl, and then you have someone from outside comes into your fishbowl. Now, if no one comes into your fishbowl, you have no choice. 
But if let's say Jesus Christ came into our fishbowl, and you have come to know the super fish, Mr. Ben, now you you have a decision whether you believe in the Son of God or you don't. You believe in your own ability, your strength, your ability to save yourself. If God did not send Jesus Christ, we don't have an object of our faith. Now God sends His Son. Now we do have an object of our faith. We can believe. Not because we brought Christ into the fishbowl, because God has gave us Jesus Christ, and now our faith is only the response to God's mercy and God's grace. That's what it means to ordain to eternal life. God made a way. If God did not make a way through Christ, then how would you be saved? You don't make your own way. But yet we think somehow we make our own way. We attain to salvation on our own. Who would you believe if God did not send that who to us? John fifteen sixteen, Jesus put it this way: "You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. I have chosen you and ordained you. It is the work of God from the beginning to the end of our salvation is that God chooses, ordains, and you believe. Now you can choose to disbelieve. That's your free will. But." As many as ordain to eternal life, believe. God puts a way there, and then He sets you on the path, and you will be saved. You you don't choose. You don't make your own path to God. You don't make a ladder to go to heaven by yourself. You cannot choose Christ if God has not presented Him to you. The presentation of Christ initiated by the Father, God sent Jesus Christ, perfected by Him living on this earth, sinless. And finish the work at the cross, and that work has been given to you and I today. We are now bound by our responsibility to the gospel to deliver this message. You can reject, you can reject the gift of God. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary. Now let me give you the context before this. Some of the Jews stirred up the people and they made problems for Paul and Barnabas so that they couldn't preach the gospel. So this is what Paul says in response. To upon Barnabas says in response to this riot that's happening, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have spoken to you, meaning to the Jews. But seeing you put it from you, meaning you cast it aside, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Take note of these these words: judge yourselves unworthy. Judge yourself unworthy. When Cato,、um, Cato、uh, the younger, he was losing the war against Caesar, and knowing that、um, he 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 has lost in, in effect, he killed himself.、And、this is what Caesar says. I'm paraphrasing. Caesar said this: Why did you hate me so much that you did not give me a chance to show you mercy? You know, sometimes <clears throat> we're so arrogant and we reject God's mercy and God's gift because we think that God is a vengeful, hateful God. But He isn't. He's a merciful God. He wants to save you. He wants to show you love. But we are so we so fill with hatred and anger that we reject God's mercy. And this is what happens to the Jews when they heard Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas says, "You judge yourself. You said that you are not worthy." 
of everlasting life. So everlasting life went from them. And everlasting life was how the Apostle Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel. Now for those who accept Christ, it is the Lord that opens your heart because we have a natural tendency to lean toward evil. We have a natural tendency to choose things that are bad for us. History is filled with well-intentioned, intelligent people making really stupid and dumb mistakes. I'm looking at my life and all the decisions that I make, a lot of them are stupid mistakes. We make bad choices and we continue to make bad choices. And so the matter of eternal life, God can't just give it to us. So God made the choice for us. Now we can receive, we can accept that ordination of God, and if God ordains, then you will believe. But salvation is the authority of God. God presented to us, He ordains who receives eternal life and who will not. Those whom He had ordained to receive eternal life will believe. Okay? If you have been ordained to eternal life, you will believe. That's it. It is the work of God. And thank God it's the work of God because there are days I wake up and if my salvation is up to me, I would have lost it. There, there are moments of anger, moments of frustration that I can't keep it. But God ordains, He saves. What are we supposed to do? John chapter 15, verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. This is the work and the ministry that God has for us. God sent Jesus Christ. He came to be our salvation. He showed us the kingdom of God. He sent the Holy Spirit to reveal, to reveal that mystery into our heart. Now we understand. For what purpose? For the purpose that we should bear fruit unto God. If we are of the good tree, then the tree will bear fruit. The tree will bear fruit. And God uses the human agency for his salvation. Jesus Christ became a man to save mankind. He will use us to save others. This is our responsibility. This is how God works through Jesus Christ, through the apostles, through the church. Those who believe in him and trust in the Lord are his disciples. And as God's disciples, we do his work. We carry out the work of salvation. We are the agents that do God's work. And we deliver the good news of God's salvation. That's what your job and my job is. Paul and Barnabas revealed that the Lord has appointed them to be the light to the Gentiles. God can shine his light, but he doesn't. He shines his light through you and I. We are his agents. We are the vessels in which God uses to accomplish his work of salvation. So God saved you through the preaching of the gospel. Somebody preached the gospel and you heard it and you are saved. You did not just sit in your apartment and think of God and then saved and then you are forever. Some, some human agency that God used to bring the gospel to you and you are saved through that. So for those who said, if God determines everything, if God chooses or ordains everything, I don't have to do anything. God uses the human agency to accomplish his work of salvation. Someone we trust and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. You are still holding on to Jesus Christ because somebody is praying for you. And you say, well, if God determines everything, then I don't have to pray. If you have that mindset, I would ask you this. Do you even have the Spirit of God? Because if the Spirit of God is in you, then you will pray. Then you will feel empathy and you will feel love and you will agonize over the souls that are lost. For, for us to ask the question, that it doesn't matter whether we should pray or not, then the Holy Spirit is not in us. 
Because the Holy Spirit will change your character, your attitude. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And if you have the high priest, and we also have the high priest who is doing what? Praying for us continually. You do the work of God because you know it pleases Him. It's a mercy of God to give us, that He gave us work, ministry that we can do. And not only to do, to affect people around us, but also to affect their eternal state. It's an awesome work. It's the joy of salvation that God's given to us to be able to work for Him, to be able to please Him, to be able to do things that we know that pleases the heart of God. Of God. And our responsibility, we have been saved and ordained so that we can bring salvation so that people, when they hear the gospel, they may believe. Because when a single soul believed and is saved, we are told that the whole heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. The joy of salvation is the reason why I'm doing this. The joy of seeing someone come not only to the gate of salvation, but becoming ministers of the kingdom of God, those who engage in leading people to Christ, leading the church into worship, in preaching the gospel, that's what we want to do. That's, what, that's the reason why we are doing this. Let's come to a